original question, does President Biden think America's big cities are safe? It, it is not, it is not a, um, it is not a yes or no question. We are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm elections. For months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that red wave? It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome we'll back to the Ruthless Variety program. You know, that... that intro really does something for every me. every time i hear that ron DeSantis <laughs> line i'm like i'm ready to go <laughs> it really does let's go for me well welcome back to a big week gosh we're getting closer and closer to the midterms um let's start with the fact that we've got a great guest relevant to the midterms uh senate candidate adam laxalt former attorney general of the great state of nevada from all intents and purposes every poll in the last week has shown that guy up uh, anywhere two to four points yeah it's like five in a row I yeah. mean, and she is way down below 50. It is it is Mayday, Mayday City in Nevada for Democrats. And also, like, shout out to all the volunteers out there in Nevada, because like I always say, the red wave is not something that's happening. It's something we're doing. So clearly, folks out there in Nevada are making the calls, knocking on doors, making this happen. Absolutely. No, it's a big deal. we got to stay on it. But that's a, that's a big one. Look forward to that at the end of the uh, program. And you boys uh, had a, a fun time last week. You were on with Tim Pool. Yeah, I mean, I know you had your family event. You should have joined us for this. I had a great time. Me and Duncan went out, uh, hung out with Tim Pool, did the Tim cast. And it was just like two, two hours of us cracking up. It was a great time. Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, they're great people for having us. Loved his spot. I mean, man, it was uh, it was nice to be out there. That's the other thing. It's like you know his his place is like out there, and 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 like the windows open. It's like the first day of fall. Right. You can like hear the breeze. You can smell fall leaves. And I was like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It really did turn fall last week. There was no question. I, I Ashbrook and I were talking about. We felt the moment. Yeah. That it turned fall. I got my tactical vest on today. You know, which is officially, it's fall. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah. Fall uniform. Well, that, you've dropped so many LBs that you're now requiring extra clothing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't have as much body fat. <laughs> Don't have as much body fat. Insta thought, Duncan, which, by the way, I feel like you've been lacking on the Insta. Yeah, you got up the content. Got up the content. Well, you you guys thought I was posting on there because of the weight loss. Well, I, just, I know you were posting on there because of the weight loss. I the question really was, w- would you keep it up? And it seems like you haven't. Well, because we don't have anything really to post. I mean, we're just sitting here in the studio, well, banging okay. it out on computers all day. Everyone says they want to see like us banging it out on the studio. So nobody okay. wants to see you banging. Just hit it the out. internet button. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you that. Uh, boys, the one thing that we do over the weekend that I just love, we did it a little bit last year. We got into it this year. Yesterday, or Sunday, mm-hmm. I sent a text around saying it's time for the Ruthless Parlay. Yes. And, and for folks who, who don't know, um, given that now, it's pretty much every state in the country, right, that you can you can bet on sports? Not every online. state, but most of them. Most states. Um, so what we have, it's kind of like a sympathy parlay. So like we all root for each other's teams. Ashbrook's the Bengals guy. Uh, Duncan's the Colts guy. Of course, Holmes is the Vikings guy, and I'm the Broncos guy. So we set up a parlay, which is like betting on all of our teams to win on the same day. Yeah, all money line bets, right? So we don't deal with spreads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the point being, like, if you're at a party on Sunday or if you're in the group chat, everybody's on the same team. That's yeah. the thing. is like you can throw $10, $5, $1 in, especially if you're betting on the, 
on the Bengals and the Broncos to win on the same day. Well, the odds are like insane, right? Here, here, here's, here's, <laughs> it here's, worked out. It's Sunday. On and, Sunday, and somehow it worked out. Imagine, like, so, so I have to be honest, and, and it was great because I was getting texts like late night from the guys being like, God, the Broncos are a terrible team. And I, I like text back, I'm like, dude, I've I've lived this misery for decades. <laughs> like, welcome, welcome to the world of okay, being a Broncos. Okay, fan. okay. Um point of order here. So, first of all, Smug was just shitting on the Colts and the Vikings. He went in heavy, <laughs> ran in hard yeah. during the one o'clock. And look, look, I don't blame you. They were playing poorly, but they they pulled it out. And then Broncos are laying an egg, and suddenly he's nowhere to be found. Couldn't find him. Couldn't <laughs> I, find him in the group chat. I, he I just goes guys, radio silent for like two hours the whole first half. We don't hear from Smug, and the Broncos look terrible. And there's, and there's, and there's a good reason. Up the volume yeah. of the group text. Right. <laughs> there's a great reason. So, like, I finally checked my phone around like 10 p.m., and uh, it, it's the guys being like, God, why do the Broncos suck so much? And I was like, dude, I was watching the Dragon Show. I've been a Broncos <laughs> fan for so long. I've lost hope. Like, I just love his team was in prime time with a chance to win a lot of money. I mean, I think the combined odds on this was like. It was five. Like 10 to 1. Plus, dude, it, it, was, it, it was over 10-1. Yeah. It was yeah. over 10 well, <laughs> The final score was not much more than that. It was like 11 <laughs> to 10. So it was like an Iowa-Iowa <laughs> State game. That was and you've like, got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he put 11 points on the board. <laughs> and, you know, so here's the thing, is, and this is probably going to be controversial. I'll probably get hell from, from, from my friends who are also from Denver. That's not a great quarterback. That's not a quarter billion dollar quarterback. It didn't look like it like, to me, no. pal. Like we had Peyton Manning. That's a Peyton Manning's a quarter billion dollar quarterback. All right? Like the dude was incredible. Russell like we we got we got like 5 minutes of him playing awesome and it pulled off the W, so you know, credit to him, but let's it's like we're 3 games in and I'm not seeing like wow. I would pay a quarter billion dollars. Now he's lost a little something. I don't know exactly I mean, what it he's is. Been but the, he's been in the NFL for like 10, 12 seasons at this point. It's like, yeah, it's just not It's not working. But it, it worked for us yesterday. Yeah, the so good it. news is. <laughs> so the ruthless parlay is in effect, and we keep it rolling. That's what we do, yeah. right? You just got to roll into the next week. And, I mean, it seems to me like we just place it right back well, down. Well, so, I mean, because that's the thing is ultimately the Ruthless Parlay isn't really about making no, money. No, it's brotherhood. That's, it's brotherhood. The point is you hit that thing once, it pays for the rest of the season. Right. And it improves the conduct within the group chat on Sunday. Because otherwise, <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about our listeners, but our group chat can get very savage very it's, quickly. It's a little chippy. It's a lot of shots at everybody's team. I mean... I know, Well, I noticed you took exception a couple of weeks I ago. I did take upset, I, exception. I asked if they'd remove the shoelaces from your closet about three, third quarter when you guys were down a when couple you get of boat, touchdowns. When you Jaguars. get boat, boat raced by the Jags, yeah. yeah. I mean, it gets pretty... But that's the thing. Is, I don't think the Jags are bad. No, they like, look like a real team. That is stunning. Like how quickly the but Jags. He's Jags a real coach. Peterson's a real coach. They've got a good team. But anyway, NFL man, that's where it's at. We love Saturday football too. Anybody who wants to talk any about anything about that with us, man, we're all game because yeah. that's yeah, we're, we're focused on the weekends. But speaking of being focused, mm-hmm. um, I feel like. Republicans have had a difficult time in the last couple of months at staying focused, but now it seems like it's coming back together a little bit. Yes. Like it, there's a cheat code, folks, especially for our candidates running. And it's the economy. That's right. I mean, it's quite obvious. You can go back and listen to this show for a year and a half, and we've been talking about this mm-hmm. about how the tie that binds the whole coalition and like a center right, center left in the states that matter this cycle 
are economic voters. I mean, they really are. And it gets much, much, much more significant when you talk about the state of our economy. Yeah. Right? Because, look, we all know the base stuff we all care about. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue pounding away on that stuff. Our, our candidates are great at that. But you need in, to get a suburban vote, not even so much geographically suburban as it is like that center voter that's an ultimate swing voter. Right. I, I think the easy way to think about it is essentially this country is pretty much 50% liberal, 50% conservative. How do you get to 55? And I think 100% of this, co- of this country feels the economic pain. Everyone does. Everyone knows it. And it's, impo- it's impossible to ignore it at this, right, at this point, right? So some of the headlines, the Dow hits a 2022 low as markets yeah. sell off on recession fears, right? This is from Politico. The global economy is weakening just as central banks raise pressure even more with additional interest rate uh, hikes. The selling capped another rough week. We're talking about the end of last week on Wall Street, leaving major indexes with their fifth weekly loss in six weeks. Which it's been a long time since that happened. I want to say it was six, seven years since that's happened. I I think the last time anything like that happened was COVID when, when it first started. Well... I mean, we had some of that during COVID, but it bounced back pretty quickly, right? And, and this stuff, we're talking more than 85% of stocks in the S&P 500 closed in the red, with technology companies, retailers, and banks among the biggest weights on the benchmark index. So look, I know there's a lot of people that are like, well, the stock market's not the economy. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's, it's pr- like anytime the stocks are down, the left is like, stock market's not the economy. And then like anytime that stocks are up, they're like, Joe Biden got the Dow <laughs> up five points. <laughs> but I mean, the, the problem is, is the, it's the confluence of all of these issues. We've been right. dealing now with inflation for months and months and months and months. It's not going anywhere. They passed the Inflation Reduction Act and inflation went up again, right? You have a weakening economy in the markets, obviously, and then you got the Fed racing to try to repair whatever they can by raising interest rates, which you know is going to have a huge impact on both the real estate market, any sort of lending and borrowing. I mean, with Americans holding record debt already, right, and now mortgage rates at the highest of in fourteen years. And and I think so. So I've been doing a lot of economic research as I typically do, and I saw a very interesting statistic. Uh, I don't think a lot of folks have been following, which is uh, this is from Sam Rowe uh, on Twitter, who who does a lot of great uh, economic research. He pointed out that the average time that it takes for interest rates to go from six percent back to around two percent, which we saw roughly a year ago, is ten years. Oh, so the 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 thing is, is that like the Fed acting in such a manner, the stock market in acting such a manner is essentially a verdict on the so-called uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is, it's not working. We all, every expert who has weighed in has said that the Inflation Reduction Act does absolutely nothing to counter inflation. And the Fed is now being forced, as, as Jerome Powell has essentially said, you know, it's kind of like a, a Volcker situation when, when Volcker was dealing with Jimmy Carter. Like, I mean, I mean, that context alone, like, we're dealing with like a Jimmy Carter. Like this guy just, Biden doesn't care about the economy and just, just 
I mean, he passes inflationary bill after inflationary bill. Uh, well, Jerome Powell uh, said that he basically is being forced to to bring a recession about. Yeah, Biden is Biden is awful. But I mean, as difficult as the last few months have been, it looks like the global economy is headed into even trickier well, waters. But I think it's I think the tie is even deeper than that, right? I mean, if you look in the last twenty years in terms of what Democrats try to do economically, is that they try to shift the American economy to look more like Europe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's check in. Let's oh, see how that's... Did, have you seen what's happening with energy in Europe? Exactly. That's right. Right? So this is from AP. Lights out, ovens off. Europe preps winter for winter energy crisis. Mm. Yikes. I mean, are you kidding me? Does it get cold in Europe in the winter? <laughs> just just out of curiosity. <laughs> They're taking them back to the Middle Ages. Uh, uh, l- l- May l- I use me oven, my lord? <laughs> <laughs> Please, sir, I have small. Back to your turnips. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! man. Use me up in One recession, and they're back to being serfs over there. No, I, you I, hate I, to see it. I mean, I, I, so, I, it. so I typically wake up like super early, and if you watch Bloomberg early when it's like European trading hours, the news out of there is just like insane. Like they are, they're genuinely prepping and expecting. Hey, there are going to be days this winter where I can't get power. This is this is across Europe, and they're just like accepting this. That's yeah. awful. I mean, that, that that's awful. I mean, this AP story has a line in it that says, "With costs high and energy supplies tight, Europe is rolling out relief programs." Yeah. Sounds like safety programs from Democrats in America. Europe is rolling out relief programs and plans to shake up electricity and natural gas markets as it prepares for rising energy use in the winter. This is. The cost. There, so like, when you when you go away from fossil fuels, you pay a price. Like yeah. this is the price. Like you watch Bloomberg during European hours. There there are governments right there who are wrestling with: Do we send out like cash handouts to help people pay for their electricity? Like it is very dire. And we warned we, we like a year ago. I think we warned about people of the way that like uh, the Biden administration has has tried to force European countries as well as here domestically. Uh, to stop, uh, you know, domestic oil production, domestic energy production, and become completely reliant on Nord Stream, the pipeline. Right. right. And, and Trump went to the UN and told the Germans that to their face, and they all laughed at him, and yeah. everyone got a good laugh. And the, oh, Trump doesn't know anything. Oh well, he was like he was right. They were taking example advice from five hundred where he yeah. called it. Yeah. Right, Greta, Greta, Thunberg. Greta Thunberg has got the the energy supply all figured out. But but here, let's just wrap it back in to, to remind everybody where it is that we've come from here in the United States in terms of policy setting by this administration. We are now what six weeks removed from this Inflation Reduction Act, which yeah. we all know did nothing about inflation. But what it did do is try to incentivize electric cars, mm-hmm. right? Try to decentivize any sort of fossil fuel development and try to basically get everybody into, you know, buying batteries from China, mm-hmm. right? Well, this is an interesting headline. This is from Study Finds, as only McDaniel can find. Electric cars charging at night could make America's power grids unstable, yeah. study warns. Yeah, but the, the Dems oh. told us that, like, if only you go buy an electric car for 100K and eat bugs and sleep in pods, everything would be okay. <laughs> everything was going to be I good. I was promised. But you just have to plug it into the magic strip on the side of the yeah, wall and yeah. it makes energy, right? Isn't that how it works? Like, they always love to go over the fact that, like, the majority of that electricity has come from, like, coal, clean coal fire plants. 
And, and and they will do everything they can to stop like nuclear energy production, which would be a solution. But like everything they've said to you about just just like especially Mayor Pete, go buy go buy an electric car. Everything will be okay. Well, now apparently it's going to destabilize the American power grid. It's just incredible because we as we sit here, California is probably the the worst state, right? Remember they they banned yeah. gas powered cars at some date in the future. It still only amounts to six percent of automobile sales in California. Right, the state's goal is to increase that number to five million electric vehicles by 2030. However, the study authors say that the change from gas to electric will cause strain on the electric grid when there is 30 to 40 percent of cars on the road. So mm. let's get this straight, guys. Just remember, they've banned the sale of gas-powered vehicles at some date in the future. Within 10 years. They're saying that 30 to 40% of the cars on the road, if they are electric, their power grid's going to shut down. Now, we're at 6%. They've already got rolling blackouts. What the hell? I mean, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Honestly, I like, I, I just don't, I don't, under, their ideological stances are so mind-blowingly dumb. And, mm-hmm. and, and they so obviously bump up against reality so quickly that like, how could you justify this? Like, show me a pathway where what you want actually is achievable and successful. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like here, here, here's a piece of paper. Show me how this works because um, it's not working right now. And if you wouldn't mind showing the work. Right, like, like you want us to buy electric cars and you tell us we can't charge them at night? When the fuck are we supposed to charge them if we have to go to work every day? <laughs> you can't drive 300 miles either, by the way. Yeah. Right? Instead, you have well, to tow uh, a generator behind I mean, I, I, I think that's the key problem here is that like the policy decision makers in the Democrat Party at this point are major corporations and individuals who have never had to commute for work who have never had to have an actual job yeah zoom life's gonna last forever for them yeah i mean that's the thing is like this is an audience that was so keen for endless lockdowns right uh like you hear these funny stories about the new york times just having problems with their union because they're demanding i be allowed to work for home forever right because these people didn't have to deal with the consequences of what they want policy-wise. You saw an example of this when DeSantis sends migrants to Martha's Vineyard and they're like, calling the military. We shouldn't have to deal with these people. Right. Like, how are we gonna have space in our mansions? 44 brave this hours. This is unbelievable. <laughs> so yet again, these are people who are like, listen, I, I think uh, all Americans should have to buy an electric car, eat bugs, do whatever it takes, <laughs> but we're gonna take private jets into Davos and set policy for everybody. I mean, the hypocrisy here is, is apparent, but the problem is that like it's these people right now with Democrats controlling the House, the Senate, and the White House who are calling the shots with these ridiculous policy decisions. But day-to-day Democrats do not face consequences. Nope. The press does not examine how stupid their ideas are. This is from studyfinds.org. Mm-hmm. It should be the New York Times. It, it should. should be the Washington Post. It should be That's every single job. broadcast outlet saying, hey, wait a minute. It sounds like a good idea to have electric cars. Sounds like it's going to be good for the environment. But what about reality? I mean, like, think can't, about the, can't, can't they just ask a question? Think about, think about that simple fact that electric cars could put a strain on the grid to the point that you're going to have blackouts. I mean, their entire policy is going to cause the destruction of American infrastructure. It's six percent of automobile sales, and it's stressing the grid. <laughs> and, they want, and they want forty percent within a decade. Right. Right. 
I, I, think about that. And and they don't want you to produce domestic energy. No, right. of course not. So like, uh, how do you, it's the underpants gnomes of energy policy it makes oh, no sense. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. Candidates, please try to explain this to people yes. who listen because yes. it's just the idea that you get rid of American production of energy, you outsource that to buying Chinese batteries. And then you can't even get the Chinese batteries charged because your own electrical grid that you've basically defunded can't handle the bandwidth. And, and again, I mean, like, what does that, that mean? <laughs> that we're just gonna all sit around with like open fires again? I, I think what's key. You, just, you, you buy the the solar panels from China to to power the grid that can't charge the battery from China. You've literally paid China twice and you can't do fucking anything. It makes no sense. It is unbelievable. Meanwhile, like even Axios is on this thing. The world economy has an ominous August 2007 kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this for like eight months now. Correct. August 2007 was on the surface a fine month for the US and global economy. Boy, do I remember that well. Mm -hmm. Unemployment was low. Stock market had a few bumpy days, but nothing too dramatic. Many consider it to be the beginning of what we now call the global financial crisis. And there was some ominous parallels to what the world is experiencing right now. What's happened in the last few months and with dizzying speed over the last several days is that markets are adjusting the possibility that the era of the extremely low interest rate and liquidity is over. And the 2020s will be very different from the 2010s. Yeah, so I was watching CNBC earlier today and uh, it it was kind of becoming news to them and sinking in that this might be uh, the current situation. You know, I I think the Inflation Reduction Act is very, it's such an important event in the sense that, you know, the lie became very apparent to very serious people. That's right. Like you saw that this administration, it's beyond Nero fiddling, you know, as Rome burns. It's like throwing gasoline on the fire. That, the Inflation Reduction Act sabotaged the American You hit economy. a very, very important point, right? Because we've been in politics for a long time and you see parties try to sell their ideological goals one way or another. And, and you, you know, there's some spin involved and people say, you know, it's like a 1984 effect where you're saying something, it's going to do the opposite, but it's never in terms of like economy saving legislation, mm-hmm. right? When you get into the point where you have a genuine crisis, generally speaking, both parties begin to get nervous about that, right? You can say what the, what, I mean, it could be that they're worried about their reelect. They could genuinely have concerns about the country, but more often than not, they get to a place where you're actually trying to do something that would have an impact on the American consumer nationwide. What these guys did with the Inflation Reduction Act was sell you a a Green New Deal and say that it did something about inflation. And so if you're sitting on the street or if you're sitting, you know, basically anywhere across America and you're counting on this government Mm -hmm. who just did what they did Mm -hmm. to try to save this, man, your confidence is shot. All they did was the legislative equivalent of a dead cat bounce you know where investors buy into the positions to try to recoup you know something drive up the the stock price real quick so they can get out of their position i mean that's what the biden administration is trying to do they wanted some little bounce before the midterms so yeah they come up with the inflation reduction act something that's not going to do anything for inflation but here now we see with the polling and everything that people are getting wise to it and Things are looking pretty good for Republicans and as a result. Economically speaking, it's super horrific. Like we've warned for so long that the other shoe to drop is going to be when you're in an inflationary environment, consumers are feeling pain. Everyone in this country is feeling pain. I don't have to explain that to our listeners. When consumers are feeling pain, 
then the companies they would be buying from will start to feel the pain. And the first measure that they always take throughout history is layoffs. The next shoe to drop is going to be layoffs. And we've already started seeing like hints of it when you've had the major tech companies, which have been the major growth sector, having like hiring freezes. Then so like, uh, I, uh, you know, a number of Silicon Valley companies have started saying that, like, OK, if you can't find a place to find another job in the next 30 days within the company, we're going to have to let you go. Like they have no choice right now is is a situation where the Biden administration and their policies have made it so difficult for Americans to get by. Every month is over. Well, they've had their shot. The point from, is, from a year ago, every month is four hundred fifty dollars more expensive. In fact, fast forward another six months. After you've gone through a winter where you lose your job, where energy prices are so high you can't even afford to heat your house if your electric grid is stable enough to be able to carry the energy. But a lot of people are in adjustable rate mortgages. Mm. Six you months from now. You can't deal 10 years with that situation. And more will get in. More will get in. Six, six, imagine, imagine somebody who got in at like 25 3%, and all of a sudden their adjustable rate is 65 I want to see some data right it. now on how many people are starting to jump into ARMs right now. Well, I, mean, I think that would be really interesting and scary. Well, I, d- here's the thing. All of this <laughs> – Smog, you've got a fair background in economics. We've, we've, the rest of us have basically been in politics. But all of this, we've talked about this for a year and a half, about how this is inevitable, mm-hmm. right? And they've had their shot to try to correct this. Mm-hmm. Democrats have thrown everything that they can throw with their ideas, carte blanche, by the way, because they've done it without Republicans at all. Mm-hmm. And this is what they've come up with. We are in a far worse position today than we were when he walked in to the Oval Office in January of 2021, and everything that they've done since then has not only made things worse, it's codified the shit economic environment that we're going to be, have to be digging out from for years. That's the thing is, it, I mentioned earlier the whole like interest rate thing of how it takes, you know, historically an average globally of temper, 10 years for interest rates to return from 6% to 2%. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to dig out this mess because the you know the Democrats when they have the House, the Senate, and the White House, what they chose to do with the past two years is everything possible to hurt this economy. Everything they possibly could do, they handed out free money to Biden voters right ahead of the election. This ten thousand dollars for 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 student for, for student loans to give a cash you know there there are people at the white house who who like i i think uh corinne jean pierre even said that like well i've gotten money from this like this is a handout to president biden supporters of ten thousand dollars it's basically just cash handouts to his political supporters at a time when we're in an inflationary environment which becomes so much of like a problem for this economy which is already reeling it's unbelievable yeah yeah, well, I mean, it changes how people are consuming, too, as we might add. I mean, there's a story from CNN that I found actually <laughs> felt pretty seen, honestly. Uh, it, it's about food prices mm-hmm. and about how people are changing what they buy at the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And I, this is 100% true in my family. I, I can guarantee you in, in almost everybody's family. But we, this, this is from CNN. We asked CNN readers uh, how inflation impacted their eating habits. Many mentioned dining out less, buying less meat, giving up uh, their, on their splurges. And they said they're wor- very worried about the future. Food prices have spiked 11.4% in the last year, um, the largest since 19, uh, May 1979, we might add. But, but, I mean, look, 
what I used to love to do was buy like a whole sort of unbutchered tenderloin. It's like, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's less, you know, they give you like the full thing and then I would do it and then I'd make like fillets out of it. Right. And I, and I loved it. It was fantastic, but it was a good way to save some cash too, because you know, I kind of like doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. I tried to do that like a couple of weeks ago and, and the tenderloin that I was buying typically was like under a hundred bucks. This thing was like $260. You're shitting me. No. Wow. No. You could get like a whole standing rib roast for $200. Well, I mean, the price of meat has gotten insane. Like I see it I mean, so frequently. Like any- for, a, for a like a, a beef tenderloin. A, a full yeah. unbutchered right. beef tenderloin was like plus $200. Holy shit. I mean, like you just look at menus, like anytime you think like you'd order chicken breast, right? They're trying to throw chicken thighs as a replacement. Yeah. Because like, I think that to me is such a sign of the times in terms of this inflationary environment of how expensive food staples have gotten. I think I think eggs are up over 50% year on year. Eggs. <sighs> well, I don't. I don't feel so bad now that I know Karine Jean Pierre was able to <laughs> yeah. pay off her loan I mean, for the like, art can, history degree she like, got. For can you 10, imagine being again on the art history? Victoria Coates is going to crush Vicky, us. Like, sorry. like, can you imagine working an actual job in this country, like producing things for people, and you are now responsible for for Karine Jean Pierre <laughs> college loans? Like that is just infuriating. It's it's insulting. It's it's, it's totally insulting. But we're letting Joe Biden down again, guys. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. You see that? So you guys follow, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, it, it, the pattern throughout the Biden administration of the president saying something in an interview, and then immediately the whole White House staff comes out and changes it? Yeah, they always, they, they've got to be like, well, listen, here's the thing, is he was actually completely wrong about what he said, and here's what he actually meant. <laughs> so Ax, here's how Axios uh, like contributes to this uh, piece. This is their takeaway. Biden's instincts are often the popular ones. <laughs> is that right? I was unaware of that. That is he a- just he just wants to help people and say what they want so much. <laughs> but with the midterms a month and a half out and Democrat control of Congress on the line, Biden will be facing a string of last-minute messaging tests that pit his instincts against party or administration lines. So I, I guess I just don't understand this. Is it like people general, genuinely, I mean, I, I assume these are left-leaning people, but they, they genuinely assume that Joe, what Joe Biden's saying people like? Like, I, I've never, I I've actually a, never heard that. That's a wild that. take. I think there's gotta be polling that's like, no. I've never, but no, no, listen to this. Biden's moderate political instincts are at the center of his appeal. Well, he could have fooled the shit out of us. Right? I, I, you know what? I, I just I do not remember Axios writing a story saying that Donald Trump is doing everything he can to help the working class on a daily basis, and sometimes his professional <laughs> staff holds him back. Yeah, I mean, well, Axios just got bought up, right? Yeah, did well, they just get bought out? I th- I think so. I think so. Amazing. But but uh, he campaigned as a candidate to return the country to normalcy and built a broad coalition to oust Donald Trump from office. Very broad. Oh, yeah. There's a divide in our politics, including within the Democratic Party, those who rely on the expert opinion and those who are led by their instincts. Like many of his Republican rivals, Biden is a gut instinct politician. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is just unbelievable. But he is being contained by the tech 
technocrat impulses of his administration. Guys, they've spent like six trillion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> technocrats. He has been contained. Get this this upstart. That's the like this, most ridiculous shit ever. Calling this group of fucking clowns they, technocrats. And they and they treat him like Mr. Smith going to Washington, like he's not some swamp puppet who's been here for fifty years. Dude, swamp puppet is so. You know accurate. what I mean? <laughs> totally. Like this this upstart maverick geriatric. Like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but like, and we said this during the campaign. If you. It, Stop listening to Joe Biden do the grandpa Joe Biden thing. Look at his voting record. I mean, right. 36 years of it. Yes. It was a leftist lunatic. It wasn't moderate at all. He had one piece in the early 90s where he had like a crackdown on crime. And by the way, that's how I almost lost the primary. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> right. I hated that. Yeah. I mean, I can't so believe. So he fixed that. Yeah. <laughs> fix that. Like, no, crime's rampant. Congratulations, Like, Democrat. what integrity do you have at Axios to be like, yes, actually, Biden just, like, means well. We're all letting him down. We're all like, letting him down. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, this is from Politico. Recession fears cloud Biden's feel-good economic message. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I think everyone feels good about the economy, feel right? Feel good. I mean, I just don't even know how to begin to talk to people who think this. Like, there's nowhere in the country where anybody's feeling good about anything. I haven't met anyone like that. And when he goes out, like, it's not a mystery for why he has a, a, a approval rating in the 30s. When he goes out and says everything's great, we're on the great, this is perfect, guys. And then you can't buy groceries at the grocery store? Like, right. that butts up against reality pretty damn quick, the lead, doesn't it? The lead here is priceless. Joe Biden is ready to hype his economic success story, oh. but inflation and other market factors could spoil the tale. We well, failed him. Well, so, but in, in that sentence, you see what they're doing here, right? Yep. The market factors. Market factors, so it's not out of his control? Right, it's out of his control. What they want to do is soften the ground for a message here for the Democrats to use for the midterms, which is like, look, this is the Fed. The Fed's, you know, the Fed's hiking the rates. There's market factors. There's factors this, everywhere. It's look not those factors. Look, it's not what we did. It's just some simple market factors. That's exactly. Emboldened by a string of legislative victories. <laughs> President Joe Biden has leaned into his record on the economy, increasingly confident that the nation's outlook is brightening after months of a cloud under rising prices and consumer anxiety. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. And it's also false. I mean, if you if you watch, um, you know, MSNBC or, or really any cable news that's carrying water for the Democrats right now, all they want to talk about is how democracy is under assault by MAGA Republicans or abortion. That's what they want to talk about. They don't want to actually talk about the economy. They don't, but because it, the smart Democrats understand that. Right. But these people who are who are in charge of reporting on politics, mm -hmm. this is their take. <laughs> but just as the White House was rushing to capitalize on its winning struggles... <laughs> In the hopes of turning around an economic narrative that has dogged the administration from its earliest days, complications have arisen. The, the economic narrative, that's the most important thing. Like, these, it's unbelievable. These people, these people are essentially arsonists. And like they're like, why is there fire? It's <laughs> unreal. I mean, the lengthy fall in gas prices has finally ended. Inflation has stayed steady stubbornly high hold on let's back up to the beginning of that yes. the lengthy fall of gas prices hey motherfucker we talked about this forever but anybody who's been around politics for 20 minutes mm -hmm. knows about the driving season yeah 
It has nothing to do with the gas price. The gas prices rise. The question is what they rise from. Where's the baseline? Well, it turns out the baseline is about 30% higher than it was under the Trump administration. I mean, the thing is like, so it's fallen about the same rate as it's fallen under the Trump administration, but where is it? 30% higher than it was right. in the Trump administration. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you dumb fucks. Like, right. I don't understand why this is difficult for anybody to understand. Right, the you simple shouldn't fact be... is, like, gas is over a buck higher a right. gallon since Trump was president. Right. Like, that's that's and what they deal with, not like, what was gas prices uh, uh, two weeks ago under Joe Biden has gone down. In some states, it's even higher than that, man. Yeah. In recent weeks, Biden advisors have counseled Democrats to counter skepticism about the economy by playing up specific signs of strength, oh. such as continued wage growth. Hold on, let me oh, stop. wait let me a stop. minute. Let me stop. The wage growth, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I remember looking at it when the report came out last week. The wage growth was underneath the inflation. That's right. So, like, wages have actually gone down. So, Re- real <laughs> wa- what we call real wages. Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but, but think about writing that sentence, right? Right. Wage, strong wage growth, strong, strong wage growth. Okay, right. So that means my dollar that I get uh, buys me more than it did the month previously because of the strong wage growth. No, it's exactly the opposite of that, right. actually. <laughs> it's actually, the, you fuck, it's making me so mad. It's so it's mad. It's making me so mad. It's so economically illiterate to write this. Oh, and job gains in the manufacturing sector. People familiar with the discussion said, okay. You shut down the entire American You're economy. Shut down <laughs> the economy. Well, like, that statistic is so infuriating. The way that like the Biden administration has tried to be like, hey, look at all the jobs we've created. They've created zero jobs. Yeah. Zero jobs. They, when they you shut down me. an economy and then you're like, all right, some people can come back to work. Guess what? That's not job growth. Listen to this line. There's little belief within the White House <laughs> that the U.S. is on the verge of a recession. Well, that's my what? Fa- that's my fa- my favorite is if that is true, horrifying, right? Which is goes to your earlier point that serious people all of a sudden have seen yeah. what these guys are yep. up to and are terrified by it, so they're like making moves. More likely is that they know damn well we're entering. We've been in a recession. We're still in a recession. Correct. They know that that is happening. And they're telling their people that nobody believes that they're going to be in a recession because there's an election 50 days from now. I think that's a great point. It's like the shamelessness of a journo to go hook, line, and sinker with this administration demanding they not be allowed to say the R word. (laughs) When, 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 When the textbook dictionary definition of a recession is what we are living under... And, and, and the journal writes this up as, the U.S. is on the verge of a recession. <laughs> Are you serious, dude? On the ver- they, they say that there's little belief that we're on the verge yeah. of a recession. Never mind the fact that we're I currently in I mean, like, that on. tells you, if nothing else, that this administration is completely detached from reality when they're pushing these talkers to journals who willfully like and dutifully rewrite them that, like, oh, we're not in a recession. The, the chances of that happening are very little. We are currently in a recession. Maybe the difference is they live lives so insulated from the real world, they're not in a recession. I think that's Even it. though the rest of the country... Neither is their dude, base. I think that's it, dude. And neither is their base, right? I mean, I think that's the issue, is that the, today's Democratic base is the one that we've talked about a lot on the show the one that sits at home in their Zoom, yeah. who, whose you know, corporate job has never changed. Pound for pound, it might be the wealthiest base any political party has yep, ever that's had. That's the thing. Is totally. I, would, I would love to see data on the like median income of a, of a Democrat voter, oh, especially I bet over time. I bet it's doubled or tripled in the past 10 city. years. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So uh, listen to this. This is from ABC. This is the, about this poll 
Did you guys see this, by the way? Yes. It's just incredible. Biden struggles, as does his party, as most Democrats look elsewhere for 2024. Oh, no. <laughs> Which I think is like a fun little underlying thing. Like, it is kind of fun to talk about how Democrats basically believe that Biden's on his way out. So there's just like... Yeah. Uh, well, this can't be true. I just heard about his string of successes. Well, yeah, yeah but what about the... <laughs> yeah. There was all those successes. It's just so funny how they can write that and then write this. So guess, so guess what? We'll go back to the top of our program when we talked about what it is that matters here in this election. The economy and inflation are amongst the top issues heading into the midterms. What about abortion, fellas? I was told this election was all about abortion. Yeah, y- Yamish, that reporter, was on. She said 80, 90%. 90% of people talked to her about abortion all day. It's wild, right? Yeah. Well, this poll must be off. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is just like the the narrative that journos have tried to put out there to help Democrats where they're like, oh, this election is about abortion. Folks, every American does not have an abortion once a week. You know what they do once a week? They fill up their gas tank. Mm-hmm. Maybe buy groceries. Yeah. Yeah, or something. But like, you know, a good to give you an idea of how much the media is prompting up this dude, like just look at the poll with a his party struggling in the midterms is economic stewardship under fire is overall job approving approval under 40 percent a clear majority of democrats Mm -hmm. in the latest abc washington post poll said their party should replace joe biden as its nominee in 2024 like you don't get that within your own party unless people are like shit this is not going well i love this line they uh, you know shout out to them for having the courage to put this specifically on the economy with inflation near a 40-year high. His approval rating is 36%, while 50%, 57% disapproval, a 21-point deficit. You know, another issue wow. that, that really pops uh, on polls around the country, we see, see a lot of them, is crime. Yeah. And in this, this ABC poll, they say that Republicans have a 14-point advantage mm. in trust to handle crime, and it matches our largest number since 1991 among independents it's 34-point Republican advantage. And I'll, I'll just say this. It doesn't specify the, uh, this point in the ABC article, but crime is actually something that registered registers with D voters as well. Yeah. It, it, well, it's I mean, across it's, the board. It's safety. Safety right. issues, right? I mean, we've seen those elections, the safety and security elections in the past, and they're big ones. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, that, that is a thing that cuts deeply into the center of the electorate with independence. 34% lead for the Republicans. I mean, that gives you an idea of how polarized are. I mean, imagine being a Democrat right now and being like, I think Joe Biden's the, the one that I can trust on crime. What? And <laughs> are you kidding? Now, Nancy Pelosi, she's got her finger on the pulse of throwing people in the jail, right? Well, well the, th- <laughs> the thing you also have to think about here is like we're a few years removed from you know the BLM riots all over the country. And a lot of Democrats who are running for office right now, in particular those in the House and a lot of the new candidates, have a troubling, you know, record of statements made during that era. They all do, even once. I mean, look, the Senate candidates do too. Yeah. I mean, Fetterman is still at it. Fetterman in Pennsylvania still wants to empty the every jail in in Pennsylvania. It seems like, right? I, I gotta, I gotta read this story from the Washington Free Beacon that came across my uh, my inbox today, which is uh, here's the headline: Undercover Cop Hater, New York, uh, New Mexico. Congressional hopeful uses fake name to trash cops, then deletes evidence. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's perfect. Democrat Gabe Vasquez called to defund the police in an interview he gave under a fake name. In this video clip, he's wearing a hat and sunglasses and a gator like over his face. No. 
This is just like a full Antifa. Full Antifa. Full oh Antifa God. move. This is the, a great line here. It says, uh, while the interviewee, this is him, Gabe Vasquez, who shielded much, much of his face in a hat, neck gaiter, and sunglasses, identified himself as James Hall. <laughs> <laughs> the facial features did show, bore a curious resemblance to then city council member Gabe Vasquez. He's now running for Congress in New Mexico's 2nd Congressional oh District. Dude, James Hall is a wild alias. <laughs> I can't wait to see the ad. That. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> oh. Oh, that's incredible. But that's happening all over the country. It's I mean, that's why Republicans have, you know, a 14 point advantage on crime and amongst independents. Well, it's 34. a literal manifestation right. of what's happening metaphorically in every single one of these races. Right. Where all these Democrats for three years were basically like, oh, this got to reform the cops. We got to defund the cops. We got to do, you know, all this stuff and like forget about crime. Now, all of a sudden it's like, no, we're, we love the police. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> they pulled the neck gator down. <laughs> Right, the neck gator comes down. Oh. So dishonest. All right, let's do. Let's play a game, guys. We need to lighten it up. I think we have to. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Biden and his advisors in the in the West Wing. I think we need to get to his best advisor. Let's the best tweeter <laughs> in all of the West Wing. Are we playing came, claim to fame? We're playing claim to fame. Yes. Let's go. song is just fantastic it's so good. it's been a little while since i have to be honest this. like behind the curtains i wrote that song so like oh, so oh so yeah awesome. right it was he's, so good he sang it too he did a great job but i wrote that it was so, so good for our for our new listeners who maybe don't know this game ron Klain, the white house chief of staff is notorious for being a little liberal pun intended with the retweets mm-hmm. uh he's very active on twitter and he gives a lot of rts to a lot of unsavory brainwormed accounts i read four <laughs> tweets three of which have been retweeted by ron Klain. this is a hard game holmes and smug have to guess ri- which one was not retweeted by ron Klain. <sighs> this is i think our hardest game it is <clears throat> tweet number one this is from aaron rupar oh, oh, one yeah. of the worst accounts on twitter if he retweeted him uh, it's a uh, screen grab from Fox News that says Biden destroyed a thriving economy. Aaron Rupar says, it's remarkable how MAGAs just want to pretend March 2020 to January 2021 didn't happen. The un- unemployment rate has been almost cut in half since Biden took off. He, oh, he found the one metric because of workforce participation. Yeah, what right. a dishonest bastard. So dishonest. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so that's Aaron Rupar. Tweet number he one. He should be in jail. If there, were any, <laughs> if there were any justice in this world. <laughs> so aggressive. <laughs> parody, parody, we're laughing. Uh, tweet number two. This is from uh, Jennifer Rubin. Oh, oh my, my God. God. It's a murderer's row. Uh, this is her putting out her, her column. Biden's willingness to inhabit the role of democracy's defender in chief oh, and 
his string of impressive legislative victories warrant a rejection of the, quote, failed presidency narrative that the media has been wedded to for a year. Okay. String of successes. What's amazing is that that line carried through to a news piece we just read. Yeah. It wasn't just Rubin. There was actually a news piece that was string of successes. No, I mean, it's all a work the refs exercise there yeah. in the West Wing, and she's their prime defender. Yeah, that's right. Um, tweet number three. This is from Nira Tandon. Oh, my God. This really is the worst people. <laughs> yeah. A great, great enemy of the program. Um, she's quote tweeting a Ken Burns uh, tweet. Um, oh, it's so sad he lost his mind. He's lost his mind. It's sad. I'm not going to read his tweet. It's a, it's about it, the Holocaust, okay? Oh, my God. It's a, His tweet is about the Holocaust, and it's uh, the he shares this image, which is a quote, which is, the best time to save a democracy is before it's lost. Oh, my God. No. And she quote tweets that and says, the quote below should be our motto for these midterms. <laughs> that much is at stake. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Equating the midterms to the Holocaust. That's Jesus. What an amazing take. Oh my God. This is the worst. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean if, a, if a Republican tweeted that, we'd be talking about nothing else. Oh, my God. Right. There'd be apologies. 15,000 stories. I mean, just the, right. Oh. She's the staff secretary at the White House, by the way. Yeah. Like, how is it that she's tweeting anything? Well, this show and our listeners were instrumental in getting her, like, not hired. Yeah, yeah, the little job she actually yeah. wanted. Well, the staff secretary at this White House hands the president uh, Werther's yeah. <laughs> tweets. <laughs> tweets. Apparently, that's the, that's the job. Uh, tweet number four from John Harwood. Oh, I really brought the bangers out for this. This really is like generally the worst people alive. Murderer's Row of the worst tweets on the internet. Um, Okay, tweet number four. The juxtaposition of two events in New York City today. Biden's speech to the UN and the New York AG's fraud suit against the Trumps underscores the simplest contrast. A decent man who believes in the American experiment has replaced an indecent con man who does not. Oof. As president of the United States. Okay, so like that would be wild if Klein retweeted that. Yeah, that's that's a wild. I got this, some good ones. For wild so thing. so Klein, uh, this is uh, so Klein. Uh, this is this is like a point of clarification. Okay, Klein's account is not like an official account. It's just like Ronald Klein on Twitter. No, right? no, it's no. Like, I have picked all. Does it of count these? as like an official account? This is from the White House Chief of Staff account. Oh, it's Only. WHCOS. Yes. Like I don't know if he would be allowed to send out number. Well, four. that's the thing. Like if, but these bastards don't care about laws. They should all be in jail to begin with. <laughs> I love the this. Is so wild because like all of these are so out of control and out of pocket. It's really amazing. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to change. All right. I'm. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn around. This is. This is my guess. Sadly. Okay. Okay. So here, here's my problem. Um. I'm conflicted on Nira because typically a White House chief of staff is more likely than not to retweet staff. Yeah. But I'm conflicted a little bit because I feel like Nira internally has been part of that sort of clean, you know, she can't because she's friends, quote unquote, with him. But it feels like, you know, she'd like that job. 
right? And he's got to feel some of that. Wow. So I'm conflicted. Dude, that about is that. great insight. I'm conflicted about whether or not. That's that's good shit. But he may not know. He may not know. Oh, he may still he's think dumb as hell. you know. May still think that she's a good friend. <laughs> so ultimately, I concluded that he did RT three. Okay. Um, I think that number one is so dumb. I want. I, no, I did it wrong. I, I want to like. Oh, is he changing? Wait, changing. wait, you're changing yeah, now, I did, And you can you can see my notes. You can see my notes. Okay. I, I feel like there was a very. <laughs> Are you going to object? How do you not? I mean, he's changing, wow. his, he's changing his case. This guy's objecting. No, he's changing his number. <clears throat> well, do we not have okay. rules? Well, okay. I don't, don't make it on me. As you're usual, the judge and jury. Hold on. Is Hold on. Me. Silence in the courtroom here. This is an audio medium, so our listeners can't see what just transpired. So let me, let me describe it. <laughs> uh, Smug clearly gave me number three as, as it, Holmes' it back wrong. was turned. It was wrong. And and he wanted number three, then you're a tweet. And now, as Holmes is going through his justification for his pick, Smug wants to audible to number four. <laughs> Omaha. But then, but, but that, no, but, <laughs> but then, but then, beautifully, he offered to share his notes, his notes. Uh, which he didn't share. And he didn't share. <laughs> he's like acting like he's going to turn the computer and show us notes that don't exist. <laughs> This is so wild you, sketchy. Yeah. I'll even admit. So you tell me. You tell me. How does this come down? I'm. I'm. Dude, gonna, it's gotta be. Fun. My ruling is I'm going to let you decide. That's. It should. No. It should. I mean, look. This. This leaves the decision to you. So you can't well, complain. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna have his original decision was three. His original. I want to lock that I, in. I hit the wrong button. You want to lock his decision in as three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let the record show. Yet again, Holmes has decided to lock in your answer as three. Okay. There's, there's now, right. continue. But that's a bit of a no. It's a bit. It's a bit of a gamble, to be honest with you, because I was conflicted. But about it's not that fair one. for me to do it because I know the answer. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. I, I like fair. how the judge is super impartial. You know me. what? That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Ruben, the string of successes is too much for him to ignore. He has to RT that. I know he's been hot and cold on her since we've been playing this game. Mm-hmm. But string of successes in democracy defender. Like he hit both of his G spots at the same time. <laughs> wow! His G- <laughs> he can't resist that. Clean is getting. He can't resist that. If your kids are listening, put them on headphones. Oh. Wow! So then it comes down for me to Harwood. I think the con man thing is just super heavy, and it seems like Rupar has enough intellectual, uh, like, dishonesty in this tweet that it fits perfectly with Clean. I'm going to say he did not RT4. Wow. Okay. That's why he said I'm not allowed to do it. Because I knew. <laughs> so Yet uh, again, I'm being silent. <laughs> so, Clayne uh, did RT number one, uh, Aaron Rupar's tweet. Okay. And that really is their hobby horse, right? Yeah, they oh yeah. they want to make you believe that they revived the American economy by letting people go back to work. Can I say something about number two? So, like, uh, you know, longtime listeners understand there's, like, a mind meld that happens between, like, Ruben and Clayne where, like, basically anything Ruben tweets – Clayne will retweet. So I, I, I thought initially this is going to be like a kung fu thing, but I always think that like oh like I'm trying Duncan to, wants yeah. to reverse kung fu. Well, he does reverse kung fu on a, on occasion. And it usually is with Ruben. Yeah, so that's why number two, I was like, he's got to retweet. He um, did RT. Yep. Okay. I'm convinced they're in a DM group together. They have to be. Oh yeah, how sick is that? All right, um, so it comes down to three and four. It comes down to three 
and four. Josh, you played yourself. Gave him yeah. the win. I told him. I he knew gave, it was three. I kept Gave Smug the win. 100% knew. Number three near I, I wanted to drag out the victory. Was not RT'd. Number four by Harwood was RT'd. And wow. Art, again, RT'd from the official White House Chief wow. of Staff Twitter account. The fact that like, you know. If Amazing. Any, if anyone, Aren't you glad I let you play yourself totally, though? Totally. <laughs> anyone who listens to us that's like a campaign lawyer or anything, that's like a free lawsuit, dude. Like file that. Like number four is insane. It's that crazy. official account sends that out. Like number one, Harwood. When when like a media company is like, dude, you're like insane. When <laughs> a media company CNN. is like, you're out of control. And the official White House chief of staff account is like, actually, this is good. Unreal. 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 All right. With that, we got to go to our interview. This is Adam Laxalt. I want to welcome to the program a good friend of ours. Uh, you've heard him before here in the Ruthless Variety program. But he's legitimately, I think, the one man who stands between Chuck Schumer in a Democratic Senate and a Republican Senate that can actually put checks and balances on this administration. We've talked about it a lot. It's like the 51st Senate seat. Adam Laxalt, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me and no pressure, guys. Just got uh, (laughs) the whole weight of the free world on this race. (laughs) I mean, in all honesty, you get to this point in the election cycle, you got to... I mean, you got to feel a little bit of pride. I mean, because I, I genuinely believe that Nevada is the difference between a Democratic Senate and a Republican Senate. If you can knock off Catherine Cortez Masto, we can solve a lot of problems here. Well, and if you listen to Catherine Cortez Masto herself, she's making the same argument, right? right? Like she sees it and the Democrats see it. And Chuck Schumer sees this seat as the seat that decides the majority. Yeah, I was just going to say, as someone that's been at this since August. Right. And, of uh, last year. I- I've known that this was going to come down to this race, and I can tell you the Democrats have known it for months and months and months. This is why they loaded up tens of millions of dollars last spring to try to resurrect their failed incumbent candidate. And so they got there real early. Our people are coming later, uh, but here we are. You know, we've done our job. Everybody understands this is the 51st seat. Everybody understands we've run a strong, consistent campaign, and this is where the the Senate is going to come down to, this race, the 51st seat, and uh, we feel great about the race. We've been able to be on offense. Uh, We just... We're about to put up this incredible uh, border ad yeah. that is going to show right out of her mouth that there's no such thing as an open border. Her and Kamala Harris. By the way, they were, were buddies together and were attorneys general together. You don't Amazing. see that in the news, by the way. <laughs> um, but um, th- these are her people. I mean, she's really close to the Bidens and her husband tried to get work from Hunter Biden. And so, by the way, uh, when, when Kamala Harris came to the state, she uh, suddenly uh, had an illness <laughs> and uh, couldn't couldn't make the press conference with Kamala Harris. What a and, coincidence! And so she didn't actually have an illness, to be sure, but just nowhere to be found. Um, and then um, you know Joe Biden, we keep we keep hoping he's going to come stump for her. You know she she needs him. You don't he's think he's got to bring her home? <laughs> invitation got lost in the mail somewhere. You know we'll see we'll see. But uh, you know the, the bottom line is that in Nevada. Biden's at 37%. 70% of Adams think we're on the wrong track. This is why we're going to win this race. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much money they continue to put up to tell lies, to distort her failed record. In the end of the day, 
We are the epicenter of the inflation crisis, yeah. almost 16%. Of all the battleground Senate races, we are $2 more per gallon of gas Jeez. than all these other races that you guys cover. And so, I wanna, Hold on. I, I want to yeah. make sure that I understand that. So when you say 16%, we're talking about like 8, what is it, 8.3 8. was the last, was the last CPI. week. Yeah. You're telling me in Nevada it's 16% inflation? Yeah, it is. Wow. Almost 16%, and uh, we're, we're feeling it everywhere. I mean, look, the Strip, of course, they've got tourist traffic, and so they're 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 kind of a little bit coming back. But the small businesses and the, and the businesses all across Nevada, I mean, they're not back. They're in a terrible, terrible shape. A lot of these people lost their jobs or lost their businesses. They never came back online thanks to a blue state governor that shut us down unnecessarily and for a very long period of time. And so, you know, I think in the end of the day, you guys are seeing all of this, you know, fake Democrat polls and all the media trying to talk the Democrats back into life. But what I feel on the ground and what I experience is still a deep anger a deep frustration with Joe Biden and where they're taking our country and our state. And Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, you know, I ask your listeners, does everybody even know who she is? <laughs> anybody aware of anything she's done? And so while she pitches this fake message to the voters that somehow she stood with Nevada and she's independent, <laughs> she is a full full blast rubber stamp for Joe Biden. And if everybody remembers the Inflation Reduction Act, of oh, course, yeah. we, we, we put that in quotes. Um, she wasn't even up for debate. No, nobody was like, oh, where's Catherine Cortez Masto going to be? Is she going to be for this or against this? And again, we're already 16% inflation. I mean, she should have stood with Nevada and said, no more spending. It's killing our state. But reliable vote, 100% reliable vote for this disastrous economic agenda. That's, that's the thing that's so funny about all of these sort of swing state vulnerable Senate Democrats, you know, who you would think could find some places to separate themselves from the Biden administration. Again, like you said, 37% of people in Nevada think we're on the right track. Not too great. But that track has not just been laid by Joe Biden. It's been laid by Catherine Cortez Masto, never could have Maggie Hassan. Couldn't have done any of this failed agenda without their vote. And now she's going to run ads here for this last, you know, 48. What are we at? I don't know. Who knows? Um, saying, you know, I'm an independent voice and I stood for Nevada. And it's just <laughs> hilarious to think maybe if you did any of those things, we wouldn't be at 16 yeah. percent inflation. Right. How about have some an integrity? And stand with the policies that your party stands for and you voted for. Right. I mean, it's like I always joke. I, I never call my campaign and say, you know what? We're going to go up with a false ad right now. We're <laughs> right. just going to go up and we're going to lie to our voters. <laughs> and they do it all the time. All I mean, the time. False attack ads. And then when they're doing this rehabilitation deal, they'll say whatever it takes. In 2020 when there was a police officer shot in Las Vegas and we've got the you know the BLM riots going on it was a great opportunity for a former attorney general former top cop who again fancies herself as some independent to stand with our sheriff stand with law enforcement say no more BLM riots we do not support this in our city and of course she was nowhere to nowhere. be found and one of the reasons that law enforcement has come to me in droves 
against an incumbent senator that's handing out money to law, local law enforcement agencies. They've flipped to me because they know that when they needed her most, she was nowhere to be found. They know that as an AG, I was always supportive of law enforcement and led law enforcement. I spoke out in 2020 as a private citizen. I was willing to do that, not our elected leaders. And so they understand what's going on here. And so she's, she's able to run a commercial and say she handed out this money and she supports law enforcement. But it's like your party does not support law enforcement. Well, I think that's a look. I think that's a really important part, specifically with law enforcement, because you're talking about her as a former AG, and you who followed her as AG. So if anybody has a good idea of these two candidates, it's law enforcement, right? I mean, there's the people you work with most closely on a day-to-day basis in the former elected job that you had and that she had before she became senator. And they endorsed you like before the primary was over, right? I mean, these people were on your side before you were even the nominee. And that's a risk. Like, you know, I mean, for a lot of these organizations, you don't want to upset the apple cart. She's a sitting United States senator. She's a former attorney general. So things have to be pretty bad (laughs) for you to flip on an incumbent senator in your state and say, I'm going to endorse the opponent. Tens of thousands of badges, including Las Vegas Metro Police Department, by far our largest law enforcement agency. And, you know, she's got this is where she's served in Las Vegas. I mean, this is this is her, you know, her home base. And you, you bring up a good point. It's not only just that she didn't stand with them when they needed her. When I took over the attorney general's office. The, the attorney general's office wasn't even known for leading law enforcement. She never even put the hat on of being the top cop. <laughs> and so for me, I said, we are going to bring this back. I'm going to be the top cop, which, you know, some AGs care about that, some don't. And so when I convened law enforcement for the first time, remember, she had been attorney general for eight years. But they just blown away. <laughs> that I brought all 17 counties, all the sheriffs, all the chiefs, and we said, we're going to do a meeting, and I want to know what is going on and what you need. And that wasn't like the last time we spoke. We then did these summits twice a year and had unbelievable outreach. And then when we found a problem, for example, uh, if, if, if some of our local law enforcement said, okay, we've got a lot of elder fraud going on, but we don't have the resources to work up these cases, they said, all right. Hey, I asked my team, can we set up an elder fraud unit? Absolutely. We set it up, and then we help work up the cases for this local law enforcement. So they they know that we were there for them, and they know that when they need them in the Senate and when there's these radical bills that are going to defund the police or take away their ability to defend themselves, that I'm going to stand with them. I'm not going to be canceled. I'm not going to go with when the media and Hollywood and everyone freaks out and said we need to dump on cops. I'm going to be standing there with law enforcement knowing they've got one of the toughest jobs on the planet. Who else goes to work, aside from the military, where they may not come home? It is a tough, tough job. And now every Democrat in America is like, oh, we've always been with law enforcement. Joe Biden was saying that a few weeks ago. He did a whole speech about it. They are shameless. These Democrats will say whatever it takes to win. I hope our voters and the Americans finally see through this that they're just dishonest brokers. And I believe that's going to happen in Nevada, which is why I think we're going to win in, in, in November. Well, so you, you, laid out, you laid out the economy is worse under her. Crime, law enforcement, worse under her. The border is also a very, very big issue. She's never actually been to the border, but you have. And is that surprising to you that a sitting senator with one of the biggest issues 
in your state bef- before voters hasn't even been to the border to check it out on her own? Well, since her, you know, dear friend and, and the leader of her party, Kamala Harris, the border czar, hasn't been to the border, <laughs> then no, it doesn't, you know. Uh, they, they lead by example, and their example is to hide from the border, not visit the border, pretend it doesn't exist. And so she also has run these human trafficking ads that she's fought against human trafficking. And I remind voters in every single room, the number one source of human trafficking is cartels coming across this open border. So don't lie to our voters and say that you've been a champion against human trafficking. This is a big issue in our state. It's real. It happens every day. It's tragic. Mm -hmm. We also have massive opioid issues, and we have fentanyl deaths in our state. It's another issue. If you had a secure border, that would dramatically reduce. Nowhere to be found. And so for me to get there first... Private citizen Laxalt getting to the border first, not either one of our Democrat senior senators, none of the congressional people from Las Vegas, because they don't want the voters to focus on this issue. But let me tell you, voters are fired up about this issue. Yeah, they are. They know it, and it's not just Republicans. It's independents, moderate Democrats, certainly the Hispanic community. They're they're not on board with this, this open border madness. Another really important topic I wanted us to talk about is the Hispanic vote. Um, particularly on issues like immigration and crime and in the economy. You know, I mean, if you listen to the Democrats nationally, um, you know, they care more about being called Latinx <laughs> and being pandered to. And well, like, they oh, take the vote for granted. Right. Right. I mean, it's always supposed to be a part, part of their coalition. Just simply assuming that. Right. right. But now you sort of like I feel like the national media sort of woken up to this phenomenon of, of these you know, Hispanic voters migrating towards the Republican Party. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure we're seeing that in Nevada. I've seen a couple of the stories on it. The numbers seem huge. Well, the Wall Street Journal spent a few weeks on the ground, and they wrote this huge story based in Las Vegas about all interviewing all these voters that have converted. And they're fed up with the Democrats. They're fed up with the lies. Uh, the bottom line is that the Democrat Party today represents the coastal left. I mean, we all know that. I'm sure your listeners know that they represent all these radical views and the chickens are coming home to roost. Guess what? Hispanics are not interested in five to seven dollar gas. They're not interested in, you know, all of these liberal agendas that are transforming our country. Just shutdowns alone, which Senator Masto never spoke out against the shutdown. Well, in fact, she shut her office down during the shutdown. That's a great point. Uh, You know, I made the point that, you know, it was discovered I'm losing track of time here. Let's say four months ago, she still had closed offices. Yeah. And I'm like, God, you know, maybe it's because I'm former law enforcement and AG. Like, my office in the middle of a crisis would have been open for the people More throughout. Open. More right? open. I mean, that's your job, yeah. just like law enforcement was open, the front line. I mean, how is a senator not front line? But she kept her office closed the whole time. And I'm sure, you know, people just maybe weren't willing to work. Uh, and they loved working from home. And it's a good deal. <laughs> well, but well, not a good deal but that's the thing. for Nevada. So, you know, the coastal elite liberals who could live on Zoom, that was fine for them. Right. But the Hispanic dishwasher working in the hospitality industry in Las Vegas didn't have that option. Well, it's worse than that. They lost their job. Right. You know, massive amounts of jobs were lost and many some lost for good. Right. Uh, Small businesses were lost at all time highs. They just couldn't make it. And so for her to not stand up 
for these people when they needed her. I mean, I, I think they're they're finally onto it. Yeah. That they stand with their base and the left. They don't stand with the working class. And we're a very working class state. We are a very working class swing state, which is why I think that things are moving so much. We also, as a party, I know I believe in the American dream. I think our party needs to do a better job of continuing to beat that drum. Our values and our view of the role of government is meant to give people opportunity to achieve their dreams. Las Vegas, as all your listeners know, I mean, it's a desert, right? Mm -hmm. And this place has gone from 100,000 in the late 50s to 2.3 million people because it truly has been an oasis. It's been a land, a land of opportunity. People have come here because they know if you work hard, you can get ahead in Las Vegas. All that stopped in its track with COVID. Totally avoidable, right? Mm-hmm. Never needed to happen. And so when she says she stands with Nevadans, I mean, that's the biggest thing I always point out. She never stood with us when we needed her. And I don't think they're going to forget. I mean, schools were shut down. Yeah. You had single Hispanic moms that are trying to juggle a job and trying to deal with Zoom at home. And then if they actually listened to the Zooms and heard what in the world these kids are being taught, then they were like, wait a minute, Uh, (laughs) we don't like America? Since when is America a bad place? You know, we came here because we thought America's a great place, and guess what? We've had opportunity in Las Vegas. Why are they teaching our kids that that America is not a land of opportunity? So I think all these things are combining, and why you've seen the shift to Hispanic voters. In 2018, the Senate incumbent lost Hispanics about 37 to 40%. These are exit polls. You never exactly know. Those numbers now are about 10%. That's the delta. That's how much Hispanics have moved over. Wow. And by the way, we've taken it seriously as a campaign. We started our Latinos for Laxalt back in February. As I always joke, the New York Times wrote this big piece on it. And you got to ignore, you know, eighteen paragraphs uh, <laughs> that they that they uh, attacked me on. But there was the paragraph that said, "Well, Laxalt campaign is their first. He's actually the first doing Senate something. campaign that is planting a flag in the ground." And so we've cared about this, and I think all our hard work is is paying off. Well, I, there's no question. I think the first real national moment you had very early on in this campaign was when you went to a school board meeting. Right, and it was exactly what you were talking about. Schools were still shut down. Teachers' unions were still sort of demanding that not only do we retain the option of not actually teaching anybody in person, but also our curriculum—you don't have any say in as a parent, right? And you actually showed up, which, as a Senate candidate, I don't know if anybody else has done that. I haven't seen that, but you're you're a dad. Too, right, and so I mean, this is like it becomes an issue within your community that whether you were running for office or not, you kind of have to be a part of that discussion. And I just I felt like at that moment, you just tapped into something within the community, within the Hispanic community, and then the larger population of Nevada that like, no, this is a guy who's going to fight for you whether he's on the ballot or not. Yeah, look, I showed up to the school building. We signed up, you know, and I think I was like number 13. There was like, you know, hundreds of people that actually showed up to speak out. And, you know, unfortunately, these school boards are just sort of kind of denying what's the the truth. Uh, Everybody remember how hard the media fought to say that there was no such thing as critical race theory (laughs) with all of their, you know, changing of language and denying reality. But these parents were rolling up with this unbelievable stuff that was definitely being taught in schools, you know, stuff that is in libraries. And so parents are super fed up. And, you know, people do want 
to feel good about their community. They want to feel good that their their children are in good schools. And by the way, I mean it's not like Las Vegas schools are one out of fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, they are. We have really, really struggled. The schools are in big, big trouble. So. You know, how about you work on the basics right. and, and stick to the fundamentals and get some kids educated and get them a chance to actually have a job and be successful before you focus on all this nonsense. <laughs> like math um, is sort of important. Yeah. Right. right. Well, you know, math, they're, they're even finding a way to somehow uh, wokeify math. I mean, it's just insane. But uh, it's it's all part of the mix. And I guess I'd leave your your, your viewers and listeners with that, that don't believe the hype. I mean, I think our people are just, they're just waiting. Yep. And they're not going to participate in polls. They're not going to be counted right now. They're going to be counted on November 7th. Yep. That's when they're going to say, we are done with this. We're fed up with this. I, I really do believe we're going to have a red wave in Nevada and win this race. I think Republicans are going to have a big, huge red wave across the country. And if we do, then that gives us a chance to force Joe Biden to come to the table, what's he going to do? Just absolutely suck for two more years? <laughs> well, he's definitely going to suck. The question is whether it has an impact on the average like, family like it does now. It's true. But I mean, I think we got a chance where he says, okay, uh, you know, this was the worst midterm election ever. I'm sitting at 37. He's going to ask his team, what yeah. the hell can I do to revive my, my administration? They're going to say, border. Yeah. How about you go fix the border? Because we should be demanding as a party. Number one, we need border. We need, just need a secure border. And by the way, it just takes remain in Mexico policy, and you're almost back to 90%. Right. Um, and then, you know, maybe we get a chance for him to reverse on the Green New Deal and this attack on fossil fuels and our energy market. Because, you know, your viewers are, are, are aware of, I guess a few weeks ago, they were talking about how California was doing all the regulation on, on energy. That's happened in my state, too. It's just yeah. not making news. People are getting a text message that says, by the way, we're a monopoly, I should add. So you don't have any other choice. You got one energy provider. You need to set your thermostat to 78 degrees. You need to pl- unplug your large appliances from mm. like 4 to 8 p.m. And if you are one of the one percenters in, in Nevada that have an electric vehicle, you bet you should not be charging your car either. Oh and my so gosh. Nevadans are not going to sign up for the government, the quasi-government you know, agency here, to tell them you need to set your, your thermostat at 78 degrees. And I was reading the response to California. You got these hardcore liberals that are like, this is our part. Let's do our part. Set your thermostat to 80 degrees. It's like, hey, government forced this. This is not like, <laughs> this is not some accident. This is not like a natural disaster. This is policy. This so is we don't, nobody needs to set their thermostat at 78 degrees. Let's be clear. This was the advancement of Western civilization so that in Las Vegas in the desert, we can have our thermometer at 70 degrees nobody would live in las vegas if you didn't have air conditioning by the way (laughs) well it's set against the backdrop of this like green new deal light that they call the inflation reduction act right i mean all that did basically was trying to incentivize people to go buy electric cars at the same time as they're telling you you can't plug them in I mean, it just blows my mind, the disconnect. And then, you know, you got now you got ads out by Catherine Cortez Masto standing there talking about how you, you, know, you can't get this new car, but I've passed something, now you can get a brand new car. I mean, people are worried about groceries for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah, and, and to your point, gas prices in Nevada are higher than they are basically everywhere else in the country. And this is a state where people are driving to work. 
people are living on credit cards now. I mean, credit yeah, cards is surging. A, absolutely. I mean, and for the Secretary Buttigieg to be like, go buy an electric vehicle. I mean, we all know they're out of touch, but in my state, they're particularly out of touch. Yeah. I mean, there there are almost no electric vehicles in Nevada. I mean, it's, it's a few percentage. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of vehicles that would need to be converted over. And by the way, we are a Western state. And so, you know, for your East Coast viewers, you can drive from like, you know, D.C. to to all the way up the eastern seaboard in some of the distance of our counties. 500 miles between Las Vegas and Reno. Yeah. Anybody want to drive an electric vehicle 500 miles? <laughs> you better, right? better be towing, towing a generator. <laughs> yeah, right. right? <laughs> and so like, and, and by the way, you know, we've got mountains, we ski, we hike, we're, we've got gear, we've got dogs, we've <laughs> right. got children. You know, some of us actually need an SUV. <laughs> I, I couldn't even comprehend. When I see someone getting into one of these little two-seater electric vehicles, I'm like, huh. I mean, <laughs> that is not something that would work in our household. My four children, my my lab, you know, all the gear that you're packing up for a two-hour trip out of the house, you know. So, I mean, it's just they're so out of touch that, like, we are not all the same in the country. How hard is that for these Democrats to understand? You think that people should live in electric vehicles and should should do public transit hey maybe that's going to be great for new york city or metropolitan area and people can sign up for that if that's the life they want great i can assure you westerners you can walk into any parking lot in nevada anyone <laughs> and you're going to see truck suv suv truck you're not seeing these dinky little electric vehicles, yeah. okay? <laughs> With a gun rack, too. That's right, exactly. Where am I supposed to put my skis? Exactly. <laughs> so one of the things I've appreciated most about the campaign that you've run is you don't take the bait, right? You've been able to focus directly on what it is that Democrats, and in this case, Catherine Cortez Masto, has been up to for the last six years. In doing that, it's put her in a position where they're exclusively reliant on just running negative ads against you. They've been doing it at a regular cadence, millions of dollars a week since like last March. Now, like a year and a half ago, you're a private citizen <laughs> enjoying your life with your family and everything else. Is it tough to sort of like know that all your friends and neighbors are subjected all day, every day to like, this guy's the worst guy you're ever going to meet in your life and like lies and distortions about you? Yeah, I mean, this is the part that is just such BS it's about tough, politics man. now, you know? And look, it's politics never been easy, but, but we are in this sort of escalating phase yeah. where there's like no limits whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I have a wife. I have four small children. I have kids that are in school. Yeah. And so uh, just in fact, one of my daughters said the other day that they were all like signed up for something and they were all tuned in and they were on YouTube and there was an ad that popped up no. and the teacher like ran over to like unplug the deal. You know? <laughs> and then I was like, so was it a good ad for me, honey, or was it a bad ad? She goes, I think it was a good one. <laughs> So, that's awesome uh, so like you can't go anywhere in the state without this and 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 you know why not run on issues why not run yeah. on who's going to be a better leader all she has she was down in the spring seven points whatever it is she's sitting at 42 percent and the nationals said you're gonna lose this race mm -hmm. she said what do i need to do you need to hand over your campaign to us and we're gonna launch a mercenary campaign. Yeah. And we haven't had a campaign, sent a campaign like this in a real long time where it's just such lies, such attack ads. You know, one of the ads they ran all summer long was that I was responsible for gas prices. 
It is and literally like, incredible. oh, private citizen Laxalt, he's responsible for your $7 gas. But then they're like, oh, there, there's an ad that just came out this week that said that, you know, she voted to cap insulin and that, you know, I am invested in big pharma. And then they zoom in on like six stocks in my IRA and they're like, he is in the pockets of big pharma. What's good for them is good for Laxalt. He's corrupt. And you're like, that is just disgusting, false. Even the Washington Post is labeling these ads false. Well, you, you sued pharma. That's the funniest part, right? It's like even just a sub, like just below the surface, you realize that as an attorney general, you actually sued the people she's talking about. Well, right? it's not I mean, just that we sued Purdue Pharma, which we did, which was a big deal. I created the Prescription for Addiction program. It's something near and dear to my heart. We had the very first opioid coordinator in the history of the state. This person was in charge of finally getting resources out, getting Narcon to law enforcement so that they came upon upon an overdose, they could save someone's life. We got incinerators bought for law enforcement, all these drugs. We did a ton of stuff. You think the media is fact-checking any of this? <laughs> Are they writing any of these stories like they're nowhere to be found? they got the blue jersey on. They're running up and down the field with the Catherine Cortez Masto flag. I mean, we're in a serious, seriously bad shape with the media right I, now. But I will say, having been in this line of work a little bit of time, it's generally not a good thing when you're an incumbent candidate and you start attacking a man's family in August. Right, but that's where these people have gone. They start. I couldn't believe my eyes that we are not even to Labor Day yet, and these people start attacking your family. Yeah, and and in that, I think look, attacking my mother. I mean, my mother raised me as a single mom, and she didn't have a college degree, and so you know she went into politics and and you know worked with government, and so like they're gonna put her on an ad. I mean, she's got MS. She doesn't work anymore. She's at home. She's cheering for her son. She's and like disgusting. She's on an attack ad. It's like, how gross is that? And I really hope people hold her accountable for it. Uh, I don't even know if that ad is still running. But I know people were pretty pissed off. Are you really going to go that low? You're going to go after someone's family? But they don't have anything real. She has no record to run Well, I was on. just going to say, it's indicative of where they've right. sort of run dry, right? I mean... If you blame you for gas prices as a private citizen, uh, you know, and you move for a litany of like left wing talking points about what you should think about Republicans and like none of that stuff works. And then you attack the guy's family before Labor Day. And then all of a sudden, the second week in October, we saw polls come out last week showing you leading the thing after the being outspent like seven to one over the previous 90 days. I like your chances, Adam. I feel like I feel like you got this thing headed in the right direction. Yeah, look, what I feel on the ground, you know, we have to fly from Vegas to Reno all the time, for example, and it's like, I can't get on a plane now without, like, people walking down the aisle and doing all the quiet, we're with you, we're with you, you know? Like, we're living in a cancel culture time, and nobody wants to really get in trouble, but... Everywhere I go, grocery store, you know, I live in my community. We have, we're in our schools. We're, we're in sports and all that, and people always walk up, we're with you. And, and I think that, I think this rallies our side. I agree. I think that people think that it's total BS. And after all this months of negative stuff, I'm assuming people are starting to tune it out now because, yeah. like, enough is enough. And the timing for us is perfect. Now, I, I wish I could say it was on purpose. <laughs> I mean, of course, if we had more money, we would have been up to summer. But the fact that we have been up Labor Day forward and there's a lot of outside groups that are finally tying her to her 
100% record supporting Joe Biden's economic plans to destroy our country. I mean, I'd rather be us than her. Let's put it that way. People are paying attention now, and they're actually seeing the ads about what's really going on in their lives that she is responsible for. And if you'd like to help fund those ads, you can go to (laughs) (laughs) AdamLaxalt.com. Well, that's the thing. We'll leave it here, right? I I think what Smug always says on the show is the red wave isn't something that's happening. It's something we're doing. And what we've tried to make a point of on this program is that we all need to get involved. And I assume you're welcoming anyone and everyone who wants to help. No, no, we don't want any support. (laughs) 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 So AdamLaxalt.com, you go there, you help out. I'm sure your people will give, uh, whether you want to volunteer or do whatever you want to do, that's the place to go. Absolutely, absolutely. Let, Let me just say this. We have the enthusiasm. Anytime we hold hold an event, we have great crowds. We have awesome surrogates that are willing to stump with us. Of course, they're hiding all their people. Yeah. They don't want any of their people coming to Nevada. And this is our time where we're riding this momentum. I, I feel the red wave is still yeah. there. And uh, the only way that she can win this race is if they buy it. If they buy it in October. And so we do need support. We need people to support from all over the country she gets 93 percent of her donors from california and new york yeah it doesn't surprise me you know we need all of our states across america to match these two states that are funding these democrat senate campaigns to the to the nose you know i mean they are putting out whatever it takes and so we're all in the same boat in that respect and so it's time for our folks to wake up decide who you like decide who you're willing to put you in and if you think that our country is in the worst shape that it's ever been in your lifetime, which is what I believe, then do more than you've ever done before to be part of saving the country. We are the 51st seat. I mean, the math has been done a million times. If we win, we will take the majority. Democrats know that. We need our side to match that intensity. And as long as that happens, and it is happening, right, by the way, over the last many weeks, you're seeing people pour into this race. If that momentum continues and we get to get our message out and to be able to nullify all these false ads and all these these lies she's telling, we're going to win this race and and hopefully we'll win it comfortably. Well said. Adam Laxalt, the Senate candidate from the great state of Nevada. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for your doing. Awesome. Thanks, guys. that's really good. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, we're a little biased, you know, because we've been working for the guy. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest with you, he's just so—he's got such clarity. Hits on all the stuff. notes. Hits all the notes. Plays all the notes. Understands what he's doing. Is driving this thing. You know, you don't—you don't hear as much about Nevada, in large part because he hasn't screwed anything up. Right. The guy's just absolutely executing his campaign against Catherine Cortez Masto. I mean, it's a reason why it's the number one on the pickup charts right now. And again, I want to reiterate, like, while I am not, like, in any way involved with the campaign, the one time I did meet him was at a Trump rally, and, like, we thought the other person was just, like, a to- totally normal person. Yeah, right. I was like, let's go grab beers after this. So, like, he gets my, like, grab a beer with a dude, thumbs up approval. Nice. 100%. Good job. Well, I like to hear it. Anyway, that's our show. I think we did it, fellas absolute banger absolute banger and uh thank you again to all our listeners i i I love seeing our numbers go up and and clearly folks are telling their friends to listen so thank you so much so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see you on thursday stay ruthless